your Locked on the New York Rangers, your daily podcast on the New York Rangers. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, Blue Shirts fans, to episode number 262 of the Locked on New York Rangers podcast. I'm your host, John Chick. A little bit of sad news, unfortunately, to report here at the top of the show. Uh, Former New York Ranger head coach John Muckler passes away yesterday at the age of 86. Apparently, he contracted COVID while recovering from open-heart surgery. And open-heart surgery, that's a term we're hearing a little bit too much recently on this show. But, uh, you know, Muckler, he had a great career in hockey. He lived a great life. He had a hockey career that spanned five decades did just about everything there was to do in the game of hockey, including five Stanley Cup wins as a member of the coaching staff of the Edmonton Oilers in the 80s and the early 90s. Uh, He was an assistant coach for the first four of those Stanley Cup victories and then was the head coach in 1990 when the Oilers won the fifth and final Stanley Cup of that era there, the Messier-Gretzky era, if you will. So we're definitely going to talk about John Muckler today, but the first thing I want to do is play part two of our conversation with Mr. Kevin LaBella from Comcast and the NHL Network. Kevin's a good friend of mine. If you missed yesterday's episode, I definitely recommend that you start there. We talk a little bit about the World Juniors as well as the situation with Henrik Lundqvist. And as far as part two today, we get into some early notes from Ranger training camp, including Tony D'Angelo moving to the left side. That is something that had been a rumor. He is playing alongside Jacob Truba, at least in the early goings of practice here. So we get into that, and we also talk about some other early storylines. Obviously, Mika Zibanejad, one of three New York Rangers, not at practice, and the Rangers kind of being vague about it, but Mika Zibanejad, Justin Richards, and Keith Kincaid have all been absent uh, for these first two official practices here. They were absent yesterday. They're also absent today. So Kevin and I talk a little bit about Mika's absence, and we also talk about Brett Howden now getting kind of a newfound opportunity here because what the Rangers have done is they've actually taken Brett Howden and moved him all the way up to the top line alongside Chris Kreider and Pavel Buchnevich rather than shuffling the entire lineup. So we're going to get into all of that, and then at the end, I'm going to come back, talk a little bit about John Muckler, and also the results of yesterday's semifinal World Junior Games, uh, Canada blowing out Russia 5-0, and the United States just winning an absolutely crazy semifinal game against Finland 4-3. So we're going to talk about all that, got a lot to do today, but for right now, enjoy part two of our conversation with Mr. Kevin LaBella. So I wanted to, you know, the Rangers, obviously, they had their first, you know, full practice here today, and they did a scrimmage, and goals were scored in the scrimmage by... Jack Johnson and Phil DiGiuseppe, because of course those were the two guys that would score, right? <laughs> um, but but I wanted to ask you, this is a topic that we always kind of dive into anytime you're on this show. So the Rangers, uh, based on some comments from David Quinn, it sounds like they're going to go into this season without a captain. Are you cool with that? And do you think, I mean, this is an idea that I've, that I've had where maybe they're looking to give it to Lafreniere in a couple of years. They're obviously not going to do it now. But I mean, what, what are your thoughts yeah. on that? First, yeah, go ahead. I don't like going without a captain, especially this long. I mean, was it real? you know, McDonald's been gone three years now, two and a half years now. Yep. yep. Um, the C on somebody. Uh, yep. And again, I, it, all signs look like he's pointed Mika, but the more talk I'm hearing is that they may not resign him. You know, his contract's coming up soon. It's, you know, he's getting up there, 31, I guess. Do they really want to bring him back at a premium? Which, again, I, you know, he's clearly the best player on the team right now, but... Maybe they want to give it one year and see, is this kid really the future? Is this kid really what everybody's saying he is? And if he is, hey, clap to see on him. I, I got no problem with that. But, you know, how's Kreider going to feel on his massive contract and his, you know, 10th year or whatever uh, with a, you know, 19-year-old captain, 20-year-old captain? Is he going to want any part of that, you know? Is there any hurt feelings by that kind of stuff? 
Yeah. Maybe, maybe not. But again, you know, you got to be a professional, suck it up. You know, you, you can't be mad that they didn't slap the C on you. This isn't Charlie Conway and the Mighty Ducks. <laughs> your feelings hurt. About, Great reference. You know, Great the coach reference. Pulling yeah. your C off your jersey. Yeah. No, um, I'm with you. You know, again, they, I guess I'm not really too bummed, you know, realistically, what's what's the difference than having the A? You know, you're still the one out there talking to the refs. You're still the one in the locker room. Get your team fired up. What's the real difference there other than, you know, you have the C and somebody else has the A? I don't really think it's too big of a deal, but I, I think you're probably right with, with your thought process that maybe they're just going to go another year or two and then stick it on the kid. Yep. Could be what happens. And, uh, you know, I wanted to ask you about this too, Alexi Lafreniere. So it looks like, and again, I don't want to read too much into this because it's just one practice today, but they had him out there on the third line or what I assume would be the third line with Philip Heedle and Julian Gauthier. Uh, do you like him starting the season on the third line or would you like to just throw him into a top six role right away? I'm okay using him in. Um, again, with, with Mika out right now, I guess you could bump him up. Um, but is it necessary? Would you rather just get him going with the line he's going to actually be on, or do you want to shuffle him around? I mean, who knows? Second week of the season, he could be in the top six. Yep. So I don't think those two on his line are going to get the most out of him. Um, you know, I like I always say I have higher expectations for Heedle, and he hasn't really shown me the player I thought he was going to be. But maybe you throw a talented person on his line – and that makes him better. So, um, again, I'm okay with him starting out on the third line. I, I don't. I'm not a big believer. You got to throw these guys in to the to the mix right away, ease them in, let him get his feet under him, and then, you know, sky's the limit from there. Yeah, you make some great points there. And something else I just wanted to throw out on top of that is I think that the more natural progression here is you start him on the third line, like it seems like they're going to do, and then let him work his way up to a top six line, like you mentioned, rather than like yeah. start him on a top six and then like, oh shoot, he's off to, he's struggling a little bit. Uh, we got to move him down. I'd rather leave yeah. him there. And then yep. once he really starts to take flight, that's when you move him up. And, you know, you can, I know they have a little bit of a log jam at left wing because, you know, you got Kreider, you got Panarin, you got Lafreniere, but you can move Kreider to the right wing and maybe drop Luchnevich yep. down. I mean, you got some options there. And that's, that's what they didn't have at this time last year, where it seemed like they were struggling just to fill out the roster. Yeah, I, I think you nailed it with that. You know, yeah, a little bit of a log jam there at left, but yeah, uh, these guys are capable of playing either side. Um, you know, somebody's going to have to do it. So, and honestly, it'd be smart for Kreider to step up, seeing this kid come up. Who knows? This kid, he may be the left wing on the first line soon enough. You know? Yeah. Who knows how they how they want to shuffle those lines? Um, yeah. I still think we need another center on this team. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm not real thrilled with uh, our second line center still. Um, I think we could have upgraded there a little bit. But, again, I expected Heedle to fill that role, and, and he's not there yet. But I, I think we're going to be all right. Um, I, I'm excited. I, I'm curious to see how the team gels together. Um, I, I still think our bottom six isn't great. Um, obviously, we can throw Lafreniere in, in the bottom six. That really makes the bottom six look a lot better. But – when you really start to get to five and six of that six, not yeah. real good. Um, and those guys are terrible, but it is what it is. Um, you know, how many minutes are those guys actually giving you? Uh, and I, I don't know. I think they'll be all right. I think we probably just missed the playoffs again or barely sneak in. 
but again, I'm excited. I'm ready to go. We, we yeah. can get the season going and let's, uh, you know, tune in for a ton of games on the NHL Network this year. Yeah, amen. And, uh, you know, you mentioned the the lack of depth at center. And, and one thing that's almost become like a running joke on this show is like, I always mention like, hey, why not bring back Derek Broussard? You know, he's he had a lot of success when he was here. He's maybe not the same player that he was, but he's a versatile player. Can play on the power play, can play on the penalty kill, kind of like a middle six type center. But unfortunately, he just signed with the Arizona Coyotes. I believe it was a one year deal, though. So I suppose we can try again at the trade deadline or maybe next offseason. Yeah, he's, he's going <laughs> to fill Stepan's spot. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And honestly, I would have taken either one of those back. I never thought we should have got rid of either one of them. <laughs> I yeah. like those guys. They win face off, they play both ways. They're, they're good role players. I like both yeah. of them. Um, you know, when we traded for Broussard originally, wasn't real thrilled with that trade, but boy, did he change my mind instantly. Yeah, I'm, I'm in the exact same boat on, as you, man. I yeah. hated that trade. Oh, I hated it when we got rid of Stepan. Again, I know the salary situation we were in and all that, but that guy yeah, that was, was the heart and soul of the team, man. I mean, you know, he had yeah. that big OT winner, and oh, God, that one. I, he killed it. The return on that still just trash. Well, I mean, we did get D'Angelo, but then the first round pick that we all thought was going to be awesome, that's the one we used to take Leah Sanderson. So yep. that one's a little bit of a mixed bag. But yeah, it was tough to say goodbye to Stepan and also to Ronta, although with Ronta, it at least made sense because I think the problem there was the Knights were coming into the league and they had the expansion draft and it yep. seemed pretty yep. likely that, that they were going to take Ronta. So it was like, all right, well, might as well trade him rather than just lose him for nothing. Wanted to take a minute to let you guys know that today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by Bet Online. Are we ready for some football? College football heads into bowl season, and there are some big matchups this weekend. The NFL regular season has concluded, and there are some big-time playoff matchups right around the corner. And there is only one place that has you covered and one place that we trust. BetOnline.ag Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use that promo code locked on for your 50% welcome bonus. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use that promo code locked on to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Visit our good friends and exclusive partner by going on Twitter and going to at betonline underscore AG to take advantage of the best bonuses in the business. Sign up for a free account and use promo code LOCKEDON for your sign-up bonus. Once again, that is promo code LOCKEDON in all caps, and you will get your sign-up bonus. Hashtag BETONLINE. Just want to take a minute to let you guys know about Locked On Bets. 2020 is mercifully over. It's time for a fresh start and a few more wins. If you're betting this year and you want more wins, listen to Locked On Bets with your boy Q and Lee Sterling of Paramount Sports. They are picking college basketball, football, and NBA locks all winter long. Subscribe to Locked On Bets wherever you get your podcasts. All right, so another thing I want to ask you about, Kev, uh, Tony D'Angelo, there's been some rumors that he might move to the left side to sort of balance out the blue line for the Rangers a little bit. And again, I know I've said this before, it's just one practice, but he is on the left side today uh, playing alongside Jacob Truba. Are you good with Tony D'Angelo switching sides? Would you rather not mess with success? Just kind of give me your feel on on, on that. So, uh, you know, like you're saying, don't mess with success. Yeah, he was. He had a really good year last year. Um, he does seem pretty versatile, though. Um, you know, I, I as much as yeah, you're playing the left side or right side. You know, how much are you really over there? You know, they switch around, they shuffle around throughout the game. 
So, you know, a lot of the time he ends up on the other side anyway. Um, it doesn't seem like it bothers him. Um, I was reading a couple of interviews where they were talking to him about it, and he seems like he's golf for whatever they want him to do. And, you know, if that's what it takes to get him on the top pair with Truba, um, it sounds like he's he's okay with that. Um, or whether that becomes the second pairing throughout the season. Yeah. Um, it, I, it doesn't seem like he minds. So as long as he's willing to do it, I don't see why 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 even can say, well, yeah, I get it. He plays the other side, but come on. These guys are professionals. I don't think playing, yeah, maybe that stick up against the boards. You pinch a little harder being on your natural side, but I don't think it's going to affect him too much. And, and plus, as, as much offense as you get out of him, maybe that puts him in a couple different positions where the guy he's going up against isn't used to playing against somebody shooting from that side. And maybe we get a couple favorable matchups because of it. So, again, I, I think you just got to wait to see how it shakes out. Um, if that's what they're going to go with, I got no problem with that. Um, that's That's kind of – Par for the course with our defense these days, you know, who, who's going to fit best with who. So I, I, I'd be more concerned at how the two play together more than him not being on his natural side. Yeah, that makes sense. And uh, one other thing, another talking point that's kind of come out of this first Ranger practice here, uh, Mika Zibanejad's listed his day-to-day. They haven't really elaborated, but, you know, I'll, I'll take them at their word that, you know, he indeed is day-to-day. But interestingly, they put Brett Howden on the top line with Chris Kreider and Pavel Buchnevich. And uh, I kind of like this because – you can make this adjustment without having to mess with your second or third lines. You can keep the guys together that you think are going to be together at the start of the regular season. And I think this gives Brett Howden a little bit of a chance to kind of, uh, you know, say, yeah, I belong here because Ranger fans have been tough on Brett Howden in the past. I've maybe even been a part of that at time, but I mean, are you good with Brett Howden? Would you like to see somebody like Philip Heedle or Ryan Strom there instead? Uh, any thoughts on uh, Howden with, with Kreider and Buchnevich, at least the first practice here? So I've also been part of that for sure. Yeah. Being <laughs> tough on him. Again, yeah. he's earned it from us. Uh, you know, he's not the most talented or skilled player, but he he plays tough. So you got to give the kid credit. Um, but like you're saying, I mean, you nailed it. Do you want to mess up your second and third lines? Do you need to do that? Does everybody got to shift up one? And then you're playing. You know, your practices real limited right now. Do you want to not have your second and third lines ready? because of one injury and now you've thrown your whole roster out of whack. Right. I think it's smart. Um, I can definitely think it's smart to not shake up all the lines. Um, and like, exactly like you said, give the kid some burn with the top lines, see how he does. Um, you know, obviously right. he's not going to be Mika, you know, there's going to be a drop off there, but you know, like we discussed earlier, playing with better talent should elevate your game. So being with those top guys should make him a better player. Or, you know, even not necessarily right away, but he's going to learn, you know, get those top-line minutes. And, 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 you know, if Mika doesn't start the season healthy, maybe then you think about not actually, you know, maybe you want to shake up the lines a little bit if he's not going to be ready for the start of the season. But I don't think it's terrible going with him up there. But, yeah, I mean, is he good enough to make the other guys better? You know, are they not going to play as well because he's not up to that skill level? So, it's again, it's tough. 
That's why I'm not an NHL coach or an NHL GM and not getting paid the big bucks to make those decisions. Um, you know, we get paid no money to be Monday morning quarterbacks. So, you know, we can speculate all we want um, until those guys take the ice against the Islanders and see, you know, what, what actually happens. You know, I, I'm open to trying anything at this point. Um, hopefully Mika, like you said, is day-to-day. I, I'm not as optimistic as you. From what yeah. I read – a little more serious than they they want to lead everybody on, but you know you know how hockey is with the injury reports. You'll never get an honest answer out of anybody. <laughs> yeah, it's you the know, Rangers. Zuccarello had his fractured skull, and, and it was just an upper body injury. Yeah, yeah, they, they're very vague with it. It's <laughs> upper body injury or lower body injury, or you know, in the case of this past postseason tournament, you know, the did. Uh, what was it? Not fit to play. That That's what they Not said for, for pretty much everything. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's Even pretty left. much it. It's one of those three. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah uh, one other thing. I mean, I just wanted to ask you, man, what are you doing for opening night when the Rangers play the Islanders? I mean, I keep saying opening night. It's the Rangers opening night, but it's the second night of the season. Are you going to be working or will you get to of watch course. that one from the... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, Is that I'll even a question? Yeah. 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 Um, again, we're, we don't have our actual schedule of what games we're going to get on the network. Um, obviously... You know, I was telling you a little earlier when NBC does their double headers and stuff, triple headers, they're, they're doing a triple header on opening night on Wednesday. So if the first game doesn't finish, we start the second game or the third game if the second game doesn't finish on the NHL network. So we provide a lot of overflow coverage for NBC with stuff like that. Um, but we're going to get a ton of games this year. So if you're not living in New York and you're looking to watch the Rangers, check the NHL network. We'll probably yep. have them or have, you know, at least a third period of their games on most nights. Um, obviously not just the Rangers, but just know that we do black out the local markets if the game is on MSG or somewhere else, you know, so you may be blacked out, but we should have most of these games. But I'll be in the studio almost every night, um, not the studio, our master control facility out here in Denver. Um, we're going to be so busy, honestly. You know, we're still dealing with – the COVID stuff and, and all the screenings and stuff when you actually go into work. So, you know, everybody in the building is all masked up. It's very, very careful. Um, so we got to be smart about how we operate. Um, but we're looking to get back to business as usual. Um, we're ready to go. Chomp it at the bit. You know, this, this tournament right now is a great warm-up to get us back in the swing of things. And uh, January 13th, we'll be ready to go. Yeah. Amen. Hey, good stuff, man. And uh, I figure we can end with this one last question. I got to throw at least one Yankee question at you because I know we're both passionate baseball fans, passionate Yankee fans. So I'm getting nervous, man. Are they going to bring back DJ LeMahieu? Because oh, this is really, gosh. you know, it's <laughs> I know MLB free agency moves slow, but man, like I'm starting to get a little nervous here. We are into the new year. So honestly, I would give the guy whatever he wants. Everybody always 31. You don't want to give him five years. You don't want to give him six years. Um, you know, everything I'm hearing is he wants five for 125, and the Yankees are kind of in the four for 85 area, and they're kind of a bit away. Um, you know, that whole Robinson Cano getting popped again and being out the whole year this year, that really threw a wrench into things, putting the Mets into play now yep. with their new owner and his deep pockets. Um, you know, they're obviously trying to make a splash. I, You know, I'm expecting Springer to end up with the Mets. So hopefully that takes some DJ money off the table from them. But then I'm hearing a lot of talk about the Dodgers, which yep. the Dodgers tend to only swoop in and, and make that deal. And, and 
you know, they're, they're not going to get under the luxury tax anyway, so I don't think it matters to them. The Yankees are still trying to stay under it, so that may play into it. But, you know, losing Paxton and losing Tanaka and, uh, you know, they've they, they got a lot of pitchers that, that, that are not coming back. Um, so they did free up some money, but TJ's the best player in the American League. He's the best player on yeah. the team. They got to sign him. Uh, if the Dodgers – so the, the Dodgers are talking about trading for Nolan Arenado. Um, now they're talking about, well, we don't have to pay him all that money if we just sign DJ and put, you know, Justin Turner hasn't been signed. He's a free agent. So Dodgers have an opening at third. Um, so they're talking about, you know, maybe they bring DJ into play third. And, and it also boggles my mind that all these teams want to put him at third and when the Yankees want to put him at first. The guy's a freaking gold glove second baseman. Let yeah. Play second yeah. Base. I mean, he was yeah. coming off of two consecutive gold gloves, I think in the National League when he came over to the Yankees and they're, they're shuffling him around, playing him everywhere. And, you know, I get the Yankees are talking about if, if they don't get DJ, then they move Glaber back to second. Maybe they go back and go, go back after Didi and bring Didi in. Then they're talking about the Lindor trade with Cleveland. And, you know, who knows right now. But I, I would be so upset if they do not bring DJ LeBay back. Because, again, being out here in Colorado, working for MLB, doing the StatCast stuff, I tracked a lot of games watching him play. His, his yeah. range at second base is fantastic. He plays the shift really well. You can't shift against him because he shoots the opposite way. It's, it's funny. Yep. If you actually watch how teams shift against him, they play the center fielder way over to right field. They play the infield shifted to the left, but they play the outfield shifted to the right. And I've never seen anybody have that shift against them. But, I mean, the guy hits 60% of his balls to the right side. So... You do what you got to do. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I'd be really disappointed if they don't bring him back. That that dude, if, as long as they sign him, I mean, he's, he should end up in Monument Park. Yeah, he's uh, he's kind of a throwback player, too, because like you were just talking about, he uses the entire field. And there's so many guys that go up there. And, man, I mean, I get it. You know, guys want to knock the ball out of the park. They want to get paid off of their power numbers and all those things. And, hey, that's how you win games. You score runs. But, man. I mean, he can go up there, and like you said, you can't really shift him all that effectively because he'll see where you're not, and he'll just hit the ball there. So Yep, and, and, he, and he does. He, he's smart. You're right. He is a throwback. Um, he, he's a guy you want on your team. You know, he's got the little chew in his lip. He's got the high socks. Yep. Um, he's a guy you want on your team. And, and for a leadoff hitter, too, I mean, you can't ask for more. He gets on base every time. He, he works the count. He swings at good pitches. Um, his, his strikeouts are down. He doesn't walk a ton because he, you know, he swings, but he gets on base. His on-base percentage is great. He won the batting title this year. You know, what more could you ask for? Yeah, amen. Well, Kev, this is a ton of fun, like always, and uh, as long as you're up for it, man, we'll, we'll continue to have you on the show, and we'll have to talk again uh, once the Rangers start playing some games here. Yeah, man, let's get, uh, let's get into this season, and we'll reconvene after a couple weeks. Yeah, let's, let's start 2-0 against the Islanders, and then uh, we'll take it yeah, from there. Please, yeah. <laughs> please, let's. Today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by rockauto.com. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it is now impossible to stock all the parts you need in a traditional chain storefront. Why endure often pointless and seemingly intimidating questioning, like, is your Odyssey an LX or an EX, and have to wait while the counterman orders the parts on his computer, choosing the only brand his warehouse just happens to carry? You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Why choose to spend 30%, 50%, 100% more for the exact same auto parts at a chain store 
or new car dealership. RockAuto.com's prices are the same for everybody and are reliably low. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. This week on the Locked On NHL podcast, get ready for the start of the regular season with Sarah Evampato and the Locked On NHL season preview series. Previews of all 31 NHL teams, division by division, and who to pick and drop in your fantasy leagues, courtesy of Locked On fantasy hockey host Scott Cullen. Subscribe to Locked On NHL wherever you get your podcasts. And like I said, guys, I wanted to conclude today's episode by talking a little bit about the passing of former New York Ranger coach John Muckler, and we will also get into the semifinal matchups from yesterday between Canada and Russia, and then also the United States and Finland. But as for John Muckler, you know, most of what he did in the NHL was a little bit before my time. I was alive for, I believe, most of the Stanley Cups that he won with the Edmonton Oilers, but obviously not old enough to really be aware of it or really get into hockey at that point. I mean, I would have only been, I guess, five years old when the Oilers won their last of those five Stanley Cups. And as I mentioned in the intro, Muckler was there for all five of them. He was the assistant coach to Glenn Sather for the first four, and then he was actually the head coach for the last one in 1990. But he basically did it all in hockey. I mean, it was a true hockey life, if ever there was one. He began his coaching career all the way back in 1959. He was actually a player coach with the EHL's New York Rovers at that time, and he held coaching and front office positions with the Rangers, the Minnesota North Stars, the Vancouver Canucks, and the Edmonton Oilers. 1979, the Sporting News named Muckler as the top coach in minor league hockey, and then after winning the five cups with the Edmonton Oilers, he moved on to coach the Buffalo Sabres for four seasons, made the playoffs all four years, but never got past the second round. At that time, he stepped away from his coaching role with the Sabres to kind of focus on a front office role and was actually named NHL Executive of the Year by the Sporting News for the 1996-1997 season with the Buffalo Sabres, but unfortunately was fired during the 1997 offseason. And then he took over as head coach of the New York Rangers midway through the 1997-1998 season. He spent the rest of that season with the Rangers and then also the following two seasons as well. Unfortunately, the Rangers missed the playoffs all three seasons that Muckler was there. I don't think it was totally his fault. The Rangers were kind of a mess back then, to be quite frank about it. It's a team that basically did the exact opposite of what they're doing now. They tried to rebuild by, you know, just reaching for a free agent and overpaying somebody who was past his prime, thinking that, oh, if we just put this guy into the team, you know, we're back to being a Stanley Cup contender. Whereas, you know, now you guys see they did a full-fledged, complete teardown rebuild, and obviously it seems to be going a lot better than whatever they were trying to do back in the late 90s and the early 2000s. So like I said, uh, the Rangers missed the playoffs all three years that Muckler was there, but I don't know how many coaches could have done really a whole lot better. Like I said, just kind of a directionless franchise at that time. And he never coached again after that third and final season with the New York Rangers, but he actually became the general manager of the Ottawa Senators in 2001 
The Senators were a very good team while Muckler was the general manager. They made the playoffs every season that he was there, or well, except for the 2004-2005 season, because obviously that never happened due to the lockout. But yeah, I mean, every year in the postseason, and in fact, in Muckler's last season as the GM for the Ottawa Senators, they made it to the Stanley Cup Finals. Uh, they defeated the Pittsburgh Penguins in the first round, the New Jersey Devils in the second round, the Buffalo Sabres in the conference finals, and then lost in five games to the Anaheim Ducks. And despite that success, Muckler was actually fired after that season. And he also began serving as a senior advisor with the then Phoenix Coyotes in 2008. But like I said, you know, he's somebody who basically just did it all in the game of hockey. He basically wore every hat that there was to wear. I mean, think about it. He was a player. He was a coach. He was a player coach. He was a general manager. He was an executive director of hockey operations, director of player personnel. The list goes on and on. And I think most notably, uh, obviously a huge part of those five Stanley Cups with the Edmonton Oilers in the 80s and early 90s there. But you know, gone at the age of 86. It's very sad. I know, you know, you might look at that and say, well, you know, he was he was older and he lived a great life. It's still sad whenever you lose somebody. And, uh, you know, obviously our thoughts go out to John Muckler's family. And I figure we can close this by just reading a couple of statements on Twitter. This one comes from the New York Rangers. The Rangers organization mourns the passing of John Muckler. His distinguished career spanned more than five decades as a player, coach, and executive in professional hockey, including head coach of the Rangers from 1998 to 2000. Our thoughts are with John's family and friends at this time. And then we also have a statement from the Ottawa Senators. The Senators organization is deeply saddened to learn of the passing of John Muckler. John had the heart of a champion, was a consummate professional, and a beloved family man. For years, the Senators were perennial Stanley Cup contenders because of his dedication and leadership. And then to kind of build on this, there's another tweet from the Ottawa Senators signed by Eugene Melnick, who is the owner of the team. And he says, on behalf of myself and the entire Senators organization, I want to express our sincerest condolences to John's family, friends, and all those whose lives he touched in the hockey community. So again, John Muckler gone at the age of 86, and may he rest in peace. And I just wanted to talk at least a little bit here about the World Juniors from yesterday, the semifinal matchups. First of all, you got Canada basically just thrashing Russia 5 to nothing. And, you know, it, it was the score basically tells the story. The Canadians just dominated this game. They get a goal less than a minute, 59 seconds into the game to be exact, from Alex Newhook. The play actually had to be reviewed because what happened was the puck was in and out of the net so fast that a lot of the players and the officials didn't actually realize that it was in. So play continued for, you know, a minute, maybe even close to two minutes. And then uh, the horn sounded. They went to the review and... It was clear as day. The puck was in the net. So one nothing Canada. And Ranger prospect Braden Schneider actually collects the primary assist on that play. And then a little bit later in the second period, you get a goal by Connor McMichael to make it 2 nothing about midway through the second. And then Cole Perfetti scores a power play goal to make it 3 to nothing with about five minutes remaining in the first period. So Canada's off to the races. They're up 3 to nothing, And then... Braden Schneider strikes again, 14 Canada in the second period. He scores a goal. The Russian goalie, Yaroslav Askarov, did not have his stick on the play, and he was without his stick for a considerable amount of time here. Canada's basically swarming, and as soon as Braden Schneider gets the puck, he moves up a little bit in the left faceoff circle and lets it fly. I'm not sure if Schneider was aware that Askarov uh, was without his stick, and maybe that's why he was so quick to put it on the net there. But I think it's pretty likely that he probably was aware of that because, like I said, Askarov had been separated from his stick for quite some time there. And uh, Braden Schneider showing off his smarts, taking advantage. You see a goalie without a stick. Hey, man, let it fly at the net. That's what Braden Schneider does there. And uh, it's 4 nothing Canada at that point. 
They actually get an empty net goal from Dylan Cousins with a minute 30 remaining. That makes the score 5 nothing. It's also Dylan Cousins' eighth goal of this tournament, and he also had two assists in this game as well. So just another night at the office, a three-point evening for Mr. Dylan Cousins. Canada, by the way, has outscored its opponents 41-4 to in this tournament. They have not given up an even-strength goal, and they have not been trailing in any game. They haven't even been tied in any game so far in this tournament, other than obviously 0-0 when the game begins. But the other semifinal matchup between the United States and Finland, obviously quite a bit more competitive. A lot of big-time momentum swings throughout this game. There were instances where you felt like the United States was going to just take complete control and really pull away from Finland. There's Times where the opposite was true, where it looked like, you know, Finland, they, they got a boost from a lot of their power play opportunities. Even the ones they didn't score on, they looked dangerous. And uh, in the first period, I thought that's when uh, Finland really kind of settled into their game. Because if you watch that game in the first period, United States was swarming. They got some good early scoring opportunities, and they take a one to nothing lead on a goal by Alex Turcott, 12-39 into the first period. But uh, penalty by the United States not too long after that, and Finland ties the game while on the man advantage. And then the second period, once again, you know, the United States looking like they're taking control. Late in the period, they get a goal with about four minutes remaining from John Farinacci. He came up big against Slovakia the other night, a big goal here as well to give the United States the lead. And then a double minor called against Finland, and Matt Boldy scores for the United States on the power play. So it's 3-1. to one. You're feeling good. The United States even had some chances on the back end of this double minor to make it 4-1. to one. They came close, didn't happen, but you go into the third period, you're feeling pretty good, but I, you know, it's not, you're not comfortable because you know what Finland is capable of. You know they've been a thorn in the side of this United States team, and you also know that in the quarterfinals, they were down 2-0 against Sweden, came back and won that game in very dramatic fashion as well. But we go to the third period, United States playing strong, everything looks good for the first half of the third period, and then with about eight minutes remaining, Finland Cuts the lead to 3-2, to two, and then they score on the power play to tie the game at 3-3 three to three with 3.43 remaining in the contest. And Finland, you know, they're swarming. You're kind of nervous if you're a United States fan at this point. But the one thing I love, something that I've picked up on as this tournament has gone, and we talked about this with Kevin Labella as well in yesterday's episode, but that third line for the United States, Bobby Brink, John Farinacci, and Ranger prospect Brett Burrard, they always go to these guys whenever they need a little jolt, a little boost of energy. And after they gave up this power play goal, that line was on the ice. They didn't score, but they at least got the puck in the finish zone. Uh, they were in there hard on the forecheck and, uh, you know, just made it clear that we're not going to fold here just because we've given up a couple of third period goals. And then the heavy hitters for the United States, they really come through in the clutch. You've got Zegras, Turcotte, and Kaliev. That's the top line. And just tremendous work by the United States on the forecheck, maintaining possession of the puck. Alex Turcotte got a scoring opportunity, was not able to convert, but then he ends up fishing the puck out of the corner, dishing to Arthur Kaliev in the slot, and Kaliev rips it home, gives the United States a 4-3 lead, which is 116 remaining in the game. But once again, you're not comfortable here because you know what this Finland team is capable of. They've shown themselves to be made out of some pretty tough stuff as this tournament has progressed here. And they got one excellent chance with about 13 seconds remaining. By then, obviously, Finland has pulled its goalie. And, you know, there's a fight for the puck in the corner. It comes loose. It goes right into the slot. And Matt Boldy goes down to the ice, comes up with the biggest block shot of his life because Ville Hainola, the puck went right to him. He's winding back to just blast a slap shot at the net. And, you know, he was shooting from some pretty uh, prime scoring real estate there. I mean, maybe Spencer Knight would have stopped it. He was very good in this game. But again, Boldy coming up clutch with a shot block there. The puck actually deflected off of him, went out of play. And then with 13 seconds remaining, Finland won the ensuing offensive zone draw, but the puck came out of the zone. By the time they got it back into the zone, there wasn't really much time left. The puck was in the corner. They never got it out of there. And uh, the United States hangs on for a dramatic 4-3 victory. And now, today, 
the conclusion of the World Juniors. We'll talk about whatever happens in these two games tomorrow. I mean, we probably won't spend a whole lot of time on Finland-Russia. That is your bronze medal game. That's happening at 5.30 today. I think all eyes are going to be on Canada versus the United States at 9.30 tonight for the gold medal. Going to be a tough challenge for the United States, but that's why they play the games, and uh, we will see what happens. And uh, it's been a fun tournament. What else can I say? It's been a blast to watch this. And I can't be the only one who's watching this tournament getting geared up for some New York Ranger hockey. That will do it for today, though. If you'd like to get in touch with this podcast, please send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Once again, that is LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Definitely give us a follow on Twitter as well, at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Once again, that is at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Thanks again, guys. I'll see you next time.